and welcome to Queering Eve, a spoiler-free-ish podcast about the TV show Killing Eve, made by some queers. Hi, I'm Tamara, and I'm the one who has been to an art gallery today after a very, very long time, Aww. and it made me happy. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Hi, I'm Nina, and I'm the one who has spent this weekend writing a manifesto on how to change the Slovenian healthcare, like mental healthcare system, um, because I am an only child and was <laughs> taught that I can do anything that I want. Nina, you have literally never in your life thought that you can do anything that you want. But I think this this is an this example. This is the first of, time. Like, <laughs> Yesterday she was like, Naya, I think... Like, this is a psychosis? I'm psychotic, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> this is a great uh, time to mention that a lot of TV shows, I'm pretty sure this one as well, uses the term psychotic when they mean psychopathic, because psychotic means that you have psychosis, but whenever people say psychotic, they mean you are a psychopath. And it is a pet peeve of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Naya, and I'm the one whose greatest accomplishment this week was that I made a lasagna. Hell yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Like a medium achievement. Shall we? Yes. charge of uh, knowing what happens in the episode but um, I let Nina write down the <laughs> you did? we did not plan this <laughs> oh I saw you like <laughs> writing it down and I was like yeah that's tracks <laughs> so. uh, this is Killing Eve uh, season 2 episode 2 which is called Nice and Neat and uh, it was written and directed by the same people as last, last episode. So nothing to say here. Still the same thing. Okay. Well, thanks anyway. The episode opens with the car that Villanelle is hiding in, arriving to a driveway. The family parks their car and luckily they have a habit of not opening their trunk before they go inside the house for the first time. Yeah, this could have gone differently, but um, <laughs> it went this way. So a child sees Villanelle, but Villanelle get gestures to the child not to say anything and walks away in her pajamas. And then we get to see a sign. Basildon, England. I don't Thoughts? know if that's a real place, but... Sounds English. Yes, that's my opinion on it also. Okay, my, I thought you would point this out that like so far we've had the options of like just saying Bulgaria mm-hmm. or just saying whatever the name of Frank's village was. But uh-huh. now we get the name of the place and the country. Hmm. Yes, that's because before Villanelle was in France. So it's important to note that she is now in England. I understand. So we could just say England. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I agree. I think writing the name of this town that we don't even know if it exists or not is pointless. Why did they do it? No clue. No one's gonna go check a map. (laughs) 
Not well, even, certainly not one of us. Yeah, not even people <laughs> hosting a podcast about the show. <laughs> I just want to say that I love how Villanelle is not self-conscious, just walking in her pajamas and emoji crocs and with a face injury in the middle of the road in this very suburban looking place. I would just be so anxious and I would want to hide so bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, Eve is in bed, waking up in the morning, and I wanted to note that I really like the headboard of their bed. It was nice looking. The sheets that they chose were also okay. Um, <laughs> so then Eve takes out uh, her laptop and puts this into Bing. <laughs> Paris newswoman stabbed murder. <laughs> Before she can really um, look at the results, Nico wakes up. So she clicks on an advert for clothes and pretends to be shopping. Yes, I want to talk about all this computer situation. I have so much to talk about. So first I want to talk about Eve's home screen, which is comedic gold. <laughs> she has... What's well, basically just a blue background and she has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things on her home screen. Mm -hmm. First one is, I think, a folder that says cases. <laughs> Didn't quite know how to read this one, but doesn't really matter. Then there is rubbish because either you have like British English windows that <laughs> call trash rubbish which is hilarious or she renamed <laughs> the thing herself which is also hilarious then she has a folder called russia files so that it's easy for anyone that would steal her computer to find all of the important stuff then she has mail then she has another folder called untitled one <laughs> <laughs> Then she has a link to the help center, and then she has quote-unquote web browser. <laughs> this is Eve's home screen on what I assume is her work computer. Beautiful. And then I also want to talk about the page of this dress that she opens mm -hmm. once Nico tells her which dress is sexy. The worst this one. Dress <laughs> This dress has no sizes to select. <laughs> <laughs> Which I know that one size clothes exist. But she even then, <laughs> wouldn't she just bought it? Yeah. She didn't even check what the size is. Also, I want to say, like, Nico says the blue one looks nice or sexy, sexy. or something. They all looked blue to me. I didn't know how she knew which one he meant. I'm just disappointed because the other two were good and this one I think isn't um, so that shows you that truly Eve should be with Villanelle who has style and not Nico who does not she also um, bought it for 190 pounds yeah I love buying God, something yes. that I don't know what size it will come in for 190 pounds yeah but and I don't think she bought it because Nico thought it was sexy. I don't think she's very motivated to be sexy. No, for I him, think huh? it's a similar situation with as with the windows. Yes, yes, I had that thought too. Yeah. I think like the only normalcy that she can find in her life is just spending money. 
So that's great, probably, and she does not need a therapist. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, in, I guess, Basildon, England, Villanelle is in a, in a laundromat, waking up, and she realizes that someone stole the medication that she had in her bag, which is it's very heartbreaking. Sad. But alas, the laundromat, the laundromat is not responsible because they have a sign up that says, Beware thieves operate in this area. <sighs> and Villanelle, I guess, listens to this and steals a bunch of clothes. <laughs> and then dumps washing detergent. She dumps it on the ground and leaves. Okay, Eve is still at home. In the meantime, talking to Nico about... Talking stuff. to Nico. I talking. Mean, barely. But ba- they are talking. She has told him about the case of Alistair Peel. He knows about some work things of yes, hers. Yes, they did a very minimum amount of communication. And then they stopped that because... I don't know. He thinks it's oh. gross to talk yeah. about. Yeah, Eve, Eve says something about Bill and Nico says, we do have to talk about it. And Eve says, gross. <laughs> and then Nico says to her, I want you to know that I hear you and I still respect you as a joke. And then they kiss, I think. So they are aware how bad they are at communicating. And they are... <laughs> Making fun of people who actually communicate. So, divorce. (laughs) Yes, please, divorce. Sorry, this is so funny. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh Then we see Villanelle who went shopping. And she's wearing the clothes that she stole previously. Here I noted that, again, Villanelle is so smart and I would never think of any of these things, but like she goes to this grocery store and she puts on makeup so that she looks a little bit more presentable and then just like makes eyes at a dude who, like it just, it makes so much sense to take advantage of him and she does. Right now things are going well. Okay, but she (laughs) picks up the creepiest dudes. In the whole town, probably. I agree, but he also, like, on one hand, he looks like the creepiest guy, but on the other hand, he looks like the most gullible guy. So I think she was just concentrating on that. I get it, but still, I'm like... I mean, she did first try to talk to this lady, so he wasn't her first choice. And this married guy, right? Yeah, she was looking at a married guy, but then his wife stepped into the picture. Ah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the scene of her smiling to Julian and him looking back is... Unnerving. Unnerving, mm. yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it will only get worse from here. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets to the register after him and tells him some story about domestic abuse um, and asks him to help her get out. And they both leave all their groceries at the store. Him while he's saying, oh my god, oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) Which I get, I would as well. This is the one thing that I feel uh, me and that guy are similar in. (laughs) She She tells this dude that she has nowhere to go and blah blah blah, look at me, poor me. And he actually offers her a spare room for, quote, a night or two. 
which like is such a step up from just helping her leave the grocery store <laughs> he was so resistant to just help her leave the store yeah. and now he decided that he does want to take her in i mean and... i think he was resistant because there was another man involved at that point and then like he had her in in his car and that completely changed the situation yeah because men only care about other men yeah also she hates it she already oh, hates yeah. the situation yeah. i love in. the face she makes when she turns away <laughs> we forgot to mention the best line of this whole conversation where this Julian guy quotes, I think, the Bible mm-hmm, or something, mm-hmm. something about angels or whatever. And then Villanelle says, but that would make me an angel. <laughs> the greatest piece of acting on her part. <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely, of course. But <sighs> I think she played that role perfectly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's why it was uncomfortable. Mm. God, I have a line here. Yeah, I have a line here that I assume applies to Villanelle performing this one line that says that it makes me horny and also makes me want to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) What a combo. (laughs) Love it. Next, we go to MI6, where Eve is coming to meet meet Carolyn, who always looks so good because of pig placenta moisturizer i was i didn't know what the conversation would be in this scene but as it started i started writing down carolyn looks so good and then Eve <laughs> yeah, said, same 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 <laughs> oh my god okay she just looked so good <laughs> i just really like her clothes also here i noticed a return of one of the greats um in terms of the soundtrack um, the I uh-huh. for an I mm-hmm, song. Mm-hmm. This show would be so much worse without the song. <laughs> yes. Like, a little bit worse. <laughs> <laughs> this is the so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in this situation, Carolyn presents Eve as, quote, an outside expert on female assassins, which I feel like Eve died a little and went to heaven when she heard that. <laughs> yep. Yep, 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 yep. Like, this must be her dream job. Dream job and, like, like, the job she is most qualified for. Yeah, but also a dream way for, like, anyone to describe her. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. I thought uh, the, what, president of the Villanelle fan club was also pretty <laughs> accurate. <I did>. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, yes. Um, so yeah, they come inside and uh, we meet the new crew. And Kenny's here! Kenny's back! Uh, I knew that he would be, but God, just his face makes me smile. <laughs> I, I like did not expect him in this scene and I was very happy and I enjoyed their awkward handshake hug moment. <laughs> and... I want to mention that they also acknowledge Elena and her absence, which is very sad, but at least they acknowledge her. Yeah, she is not here because she's uh, worried about getting murdered, which is fair, very reasonable. I get it, but I'm sad about it. Yes. Why can't she be a little less reasonable? It's fair, but it also kind of doesn't make sense. Like, I know they had to write her out because... 
uh, Kirby Hall Baptiste was going to the to the good place. But didn't the thing at the airport happen two days ago? Two days ago, we had Elena call Eve excitedly and talk about stuff that they were doing. And then now... I mean, I am very grateful for her role in the good place. But I miss her here and that's just how life is. We were thinking about how sad we are about Elena recently and then we decided to watch another show where Kirby plays in. Uh, yeah, we haven't started yet though, so yeah. we will report okay. to this audience. She when. plays a bisexual, which <laughs> uh, aligns with my interests. Yeah, but I don't think she has a huge role. Okay, so we also meet the new crew members. They are Jess, who welcomes... Eve to Operation Menderley, and there is also Hugo, who Jess introduces as a himbo. Mm, I think a himbo has to be nice, and she did not specify anything <laughs> about him being nice. She says <laughs> that he's the token Cambridge posh boy, which made me really like Jess and really not like him, so very successful introductions, <laughs> I think. But she <laughs> says something about, yeah, he's a posh boy. We like him for his body. 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 <laughs> we love his bodies. Mm. <laughs> so himbos have to be nice. Yeah, I think that's mm. part of the himbo okay. charm. Well, okay. So that's that. Eve is working with MI6 again. Then across England in some <laughs> other town, dolls. Villanelle's comment is Julian Wow. <laughs> um, yep. And she sits down and asks him for cake. And he doesn't have any, but offers to get her some. In a way, when, you know, someone offers just to be polite, but expects you to say no. <laughs> and she's like, no, you're too nice, lemon drizzle. When he leaves, she looks at her wound, which is bad, I assume. <laughs> and then she hears a noise. And, and she's scared. I want us to think about this for a moment. Mm -hmm. Villanelle is scared. She is in a place where someone is scarier than her. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Eve and Kenny are trying to catch up and it's not going well because... Um, Hugo! Hugo interrupts them. <laughs> they like, just wait quietly and like not moving in the sense of like maybe if we don't move he won't notice us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he gets water, but he did notice them and asks, Are you two having an affair? To which he <laughs> says, Yeah! With a great smile. <laughs> also, Eve just really wants to tell Kenny what's up and just have a breakdown in his arms. Mm. I, like, he's obviously the first person that she feels like she can talk to and actually tell him yeah. what happened and tell him how she's feeling because mm. she's just been bottling that up inside so uh -huh. she does get to tell kenny that she stabbed villanelle uh kenny is of the opinion that this is bad <laughs> um, <laughs> well he's more of an opinion that it's bad that she hasn't told this to carolyn yeah or more that like she did this and also she's working on this project at the uh -huh. same time. Yeah, so she's basically withholding information on the investigation she's working on, which is just where we've come to in this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so then 
she has a presentation for the crew of some of the people that Villanelle has killed. Yeah. It's a very bad presentation. A just sample. Putting this out there. <laughs> yeah. And then Eve goes on a tangent about all the things that Villanelle is. Flamboyant, attention-seeking, instinctive, spoiled, easily bored, not sloppy. Not sloppy twice. In the end, uh, we get to Bill. Eve stops after saying his name and Sandra O oh does some acting that I am impressed with. Mm. Some, of those, some of that face acting. Face acting. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, then she tells the room, if anyone says it's murder on the dance floor, I will throw them out the window. And Hugo stops himself from saying this. So he seems I guess very eager to have done it. Therefore, you I are am Hugo. Hugo. Yes. <laughs> yes, I am Hugo, Nina. Then we go back to Villanelle for a short moment and see that she's in a bathroom looking for medication. And not being very successful, it would seem. I mean, she swallows a bunch of meds. Yeah, but like she doesn't get what she needs because she still needs it later. Um, The bathroom is just a beautiful example of a grandma bathroom and I loved it. Then back to Eve. Eve is... I wrote googling and then I crossed it out (laughs) and wrote binging. (laughs) This time... Paris murder. <laughs> the second article she finds on Bing is about a boy murdered in a hospital in Paris. And this article has a lot of very revealing info that supposedly this journalist got from like a very stupid <laughs> police officer. And thankfully <laughs> Eve then highlights the sentence that yes. matters to us so that we... Yeah. Yeah, that we need, which is that a woman who had a stab wound killed a boy in this hospital. Then ah. Eve calls Andrew Stone. She calls a contact in her phone called GCHQ, Good Charlotte Headquarters. Yes, and she's like, please give me all the crime scene photos. <laughs> I am yes, I am a person who can have them. Yes, I am Eve from Project (laughs) Menderley. Yes, it's urgent. (laughs) And she gets those crime scene photos dot zip. Yes, Andrew sends her crime scene photos dot zip. Um, But before we see that beautiful zip file, um, we get a glimpse of uh, Villanelle now taking a bath. And she is touching her stab wound and like with a dreamy look on her face probably uh-huh. thinking about how her girlfriend stabbed her to show her mm-hmm. she loves her mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. eve meanwhile looks at the crime scene photos.zip and sees an apple in the picture that the bite was taken out of yeah and she has a genius idea <laughs> and again uses bing <laughs> And she searches Apple Eve. Apple. I had so much secondhand embarrassment about this scene. Yeah, yeah, me too. Has she never thought of that connection (laughs) with her name? No, she looks at biblical pics like she's never seen anything like this. She's like, where is this from? (laughs) Yeah, and she's like, wow, I'm having a realization. (laughs) 
Okay, next. Villanelle is... Back with the creepy dude. Yeah, and bathed as... and sitting down or lying down or something. I didn't write <laughs> exactly <laughs> what position she is in. Um, just that she's wearing a nightgown, presumably belonging to the dude's mom. And she's asking for some antibiotics that she desperately needs. And... Oh, she's lying down. She's in bed. Sorry. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. So instead of getting her the meds that she needs, this dude just calls her a worrywart, like without any further questions about how she's feeling. Except that um, he puts fingers in her mouth. Oh, God. She has Uh, tense. That's the worst thing he's done so far. It's gross. And then to make things Uh, worse, he asks her if she would like a hottie body. (laughs) Have you ever heard of anything grosser? I'm I'm sorry, but I need to use this now. Oh, no. I'm moving out. (laughs) Well, Villanelle agrees with you. um, If we judge from her expression when she says, I don't think so. <laughs> also, then we get a glimpse of this room that she's in. There's a sink in the room. Yes, a sink and some dolls. That's the room. <laughs> and then Villanelle tries to go to sleep and she's woken up by some noises again and decides to investigate and she grabs a porcelain cat. So she steps out of this room and um, walks by the room where Julianne is sleeping on a tiny bed. Yeah, but that's not where the noise is coming from. So she continues on and finds a locked room with the key, unlocks it, carefully enters and it's empty. There's just more dolls in it. Yeah, the room seems empty, but then There is an old lady suddenly. Um, Villanelle gets scared and tries to smash her on the head with the porcelain cat. But Julian's there suddenly. Because they both screamed. Yeah, sure. I mean, (laughs) did they both scream 30 seconds earlier? Because I don't think he can just teleport. Yeah, (laughs) Julian. Okay. And so he explains that's his mom, but... Villanelle thought it was a ghost and she hates ghosts relevant for later Ooh, oh I did not get wow <laughs> okay all right there is a point to this podcast okay <laughs> <laughs> then it's the morning and we see the house from outside and I really like how it looks from the outside and just Inside is a horror story. Yeah. Especially because he is watching her sleep. Yes, indeed. He is doing that. And she wakes up and asks him for a doctor and or medication again. And he calls her a hypochondriac, even though she's looking worse and worse with every scene. God, what a creepy dude. Yeah. So Villanelle explains to Julian that she wrote a list of things she needs from the pharmacy. And he looks at it, and uh, apparently she asked for sanitary pads, because he looks at that and makes a comment about how he will have to tell the pharmacist that they're there for his girlfriend, because it's gonna be 
an awkward moment otherwise and, and after he says that he just gives her the creepiest look like he's given her so many creepy looks but that one yeah, yeah. Oof, gets... and, and Villanelle is just passed out at this point and he's just giving her this long stretched out creepy look and then he kisses her forehead oh god oh. <laughs> Julian get out yeah let's see what Eve is doing at this time um, she is looking very nice with a braid that was my opinion mm-hmm. love braids and also just love how she looks then with the help of Hugo she's looking at the details of the murder of Alistair Peel and they figure out together that this murder was boring and therefore not done by Villanelle. Indeed. <laughs> who is not boring. Yes. She is all those other things. Then we go back to Villanelle, who is lying on the couch, suffering. And Julian's mom is sitting next to her in a chair. And Julian comes there and turns off the TV and will not go to the pharmacy. Even though Villanelle is so obviously suffering and is sick. Yeah, and she like messes up her hair, so he decides he will brush it. Uh, And then comments, all better, or something like that. And it's actually not better. He also says, nice and neat, which is the title of this episode. Oh, that's what it says. Um, And just, wow, what an escalation of creepiness. Also, yeah... in this scene, Villanelle is conscious while he's being creepy at her, and she just gives him a look that tells me she has decided to kill him. <laughs> I don't know if this is the exact moment she decided it. I would love to rewatch this episode and just try to see when the moment is that she decided to really murder him, but here she knew it. Then the dude leaves and the grandma is trying to talk to Villanelle, who is at first very confused. And then the way she speaks to the grandma, I noted that she really knows how to talk to a person with dementia. Yes, I had the same thought. She's like very yeah, conscious of that. I mean, probably not. Then grandma, in another creepy scene, tells her that she should be careful with Julian. That he's a good boy, really. Meaning he has murdered all of his ex-wives. Yeah. And then the grandma is not speaking again, so Villanelle can't learn more. We are back with Eve then, who is with Carolyn, and they are going to visit Alistair Peel's house. So we meet Alistair Peel's son, Aaron, and his daughter, Amber, and they are told that their dad was murdered, actually, to which they're both like, no. But then even Carolyn asks about this pedicurist. And Also, at some point, Eve shows them a photo of Villanelle. I just want to think about it. And that it's a, a terrible photo of Villanelle. Yeah. It's the one yeah. when she has her hair over half her face. And from, like, ages ago, yeah. when she was in prison. Yeah, yeah. Eve is truly terrible at, like, taking <laughs> photos of people. But, I mean, there is plot relevance for her showing this picture, because both of these children that are adults um, <laughs> say that they have never seen the person on the photo, 
which means it was really not Villanelle. And Eve is so excited! And mm-hmm. Caroline again is telling her to stop, which stop it, she can I can feel your excitement. <laughs> <laughs> and what Eve says is, Villanelle will be furious. Ha! <laughs> which, like, that there's another assassin. I'm pretty sure Villanelle knows that she's not the only assassin. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what exactly, but... Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Isn't it nice to be excited about your job? <laughs> <laughs> There's a short glimpse of Villanelle again, who is suffering. Um, The dude has locked her and uh, the grandma into the house and left. And she checks all the windows, which are all locked, which is a thing people do in the England. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I everyone... I thought he but... just did that because of his mom. I didn't know. Yeah, I also thought that. <laughs> Locking windows is a thing, at least some places. Wow. Yeah. Back at the MI6, Eve is talking to Jess about this new assassin, telling her that Amber and Aaron don't remember what she looks like, don't remember her at all. So they're talking about how this must be like someone invisible. So while they're speculating about this about this new female assassin who is invisible we are actually looking at a video of this fancy man business person being murdered by this cleaning lady yeah like a cleaning lady whose face we never see but is obviously meant to show us that this is the kind of person that no one notices and she points at this dude and this dude has an office which is like a room <laughs> with glass walls in the middle of a bigger room. Thanks. And then like when he starts dying from the poisonous coffee that the lady gave him, he just like throws himself <laughs> <laughs> on the glass, um, against the glass. And so, no one seems to notice. Yeah. Yeah, because there's no yeah, one I there. I think like he's working late. There's only mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. cleaning lady mm-hmm. left, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why... It's bad to be a workaholic. Productivity culture is bad. Don't mm-hmm. work late, kids. Also, kids. it's bad to be a boss because you will get murdered. No more me. hierarchies so that no one gets murdered. <laughs> Back with Villanelle. Thank you, Tamara. Um, Villanelle soaks a sanitary pad in medicinal alcohol, I assume, and presses it against her wound with a towel in her mouth so that her screaming that happens is not as loud which is horrifying yep yeah i just want to say that i am even though julian obviously is the worst but i am impressed with people who have stuff like medicinal alcohol at their house because i fucking don't and the last time when i needed it well someone else needed it I was like, oh god, I don't have any, but I do have this gin. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, then Villanelle is in the kitchen looking for something. Uh, Julian interrupts her and asks her what she's looking for, and she tells him, a kitchen knife to stab you with. (laughs) And then they laugh it off. (laughs) But also he's getting very angry and... Um, impatient about her asking for medication because she feels very bad. Yeah, it gets and that's scary. Such an inconvenience to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it, blah blah. 
he's like hosting her, but mm, you know, gross. So when he leaves, Villanelle is desperate enough to make a phone call to Dozen Incorporated. <laughs> oh my god, no, I missed that. Oh no. <laughs> yes, Dozen Incorporated, and she has, I guess, a clueless persona to signify that she's somewhere, she needs help. She's Cher Horowitz and she failed her driving test. And the Dozen Incorporated tell her, lol, we can help you, <laughs> basically. So then she makes another call to an operator so that she can She calls 911. You can see her, you know, turning the numbers on this very yeah. old phone. Okay. And she wants to speak to MI6. And the operator tells her she can just connect her to MI6. And so then Villanelle tells her that she will blow up the houses of the parliament. And the operator is like, I get calls like this every day. (laughs) And then connects her. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, you are very irresponsible and annoying for lying to me about something that I have to take action about. (laughs) Tries to get Eve Palastri, but the machine does not understand her. And then the dude, Julian, is home, so Villanelle runs away. And he fucking disconnects the phone. Which is a creep move. Truly every scene with them, like his behavior escalates to a new level of creepiness Uh and I can't handle it. Yeah. Uh At the MI6, they are still talking about this other assassin. She's a ghost. (laughs) Yes, Eve has named the new assassin the ghost, which makes me wonder... Will we later find out that the ghost also <laughs> calls herself the ghost? Yeah. Like the did with Villanelle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Of course, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, just checking. Yeah. Um, they say that the ghost is um, the opposite of Villanelle, so Careful. the opposite of those flamboyant, easily bored thingies. Yeah, tell Which me. is careful, anonymous, meticulous, and discreet. Yeah. Eve is explaining to her crew her theory about what this new assassin is like. She says that she looks probably like a migrant worker, so she's not white. Hugo says, what makes you think that? And Eve says, the fact that you just interrupted me mid-sentence makes me think that. Yeah, that was perfect. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So then Jess says, so we can rule out Villanelle, and he's like, no, no, not my girlfriend. (laughs) Exactly. And and Kenny... (laughs) And he backs her up because yeah, he loves friend. her. and Because he's a friend. Yeah, yeah, because he wants Eve to be happy. Mm. So they have to talk about Villanelle constantly. Yes. <laughs> but then we catch up with what was happening with Villanelle as Carolyn comes inside and calls for Eve so they can listen to this person talking to a machine saying Eve uh, motherfucking Pulaski or something <laughs> like that. And Eve is like, yes, that's her. That's my girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. We need to go. So I, I, I don't know. I'm fascinated that they would like only let her speak to a machine, but that they would then later analyze these recordings from these conversations with the machine and, and then like alert the actual people that it's... Because it's like, 
it's not important to know that someone is going to bomb the houses of parliament while it's happening you just have to like figure out who did it later (laughs) yeah basically i mean that's what the police do they let crimes happen and then get back and find out who did them a cab they also make crimes and make crimes exactly so in at julian's julian is getting upset at villanelle and he's so mean and just breaks his character of being that nice guy and yeah. <sighs> he he calls her ungrateful and saying things like who else would take in a girl like you or something like that like just gross stuff and and he's screaming at Villanelle what do i get because of course you know masculinity and also you can't just do a nice thing you have to get something Uh And also masculinity. So she actually makes up a story about how she was getting him a cake. And that's why she was on the phone. And he just buys that story. Yes. (laughs) Immediately. And she also continues to speak honestly about what she is thinking about. Because he says, what must you think of me? And she says, I think you're going to bleed to death. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So she also breaks character at this point and they start fighting. She stabs him in the neck and he bleeds out while not falling down. Yeah, he's just like sitting up somehow. But also she um, she tells him, this is what you get, Julian. Which was <laughs> Satisfying. Yeah. I do want to talk about... What makes this guy so creepy? It's the dolls. Yes, no. but it's not only That's the my dolls. contribution to dolls. Now <laughs> you talk. Okay, my other theory. Mm-hmm. The second one. Multiple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that it's the thing of like an older man who lives alone and or with his mother. Like this theory has two parts. One, that he is a, a man an adult man who lives with his mother which i feel like kind of gives psycho vibes like what what's going on here and not the other... in real life right you no 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 okay. no <laughs> the, yeah the second part is I'm just... just trying like to get you not cancelled <laughs> thank you that means a lot but i'll redeem myself with the second part uh which is this is something that they talked about in the buffering the vampire slayer podcast uh, when they were talking about the Halloween episode of season 6 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. In that episode there is this man who you think is going to be like the bad guy because he is an old man who lives alone but then it turns out he isn't and they were talking about how there is this idea of an older man living alone signifying there's something wrong with him because in our culture we had this idea of a heteronormative family and how you should live your life and we think that something is wrong when a person lives to an older age and yet has not been able to find a wife oh what's wrong with him he can't just live alone and a lot of times it's a signifier for queerness and a way to stigmatize older gay men who don't have a partner or don't live with a wife and that like being presented as other and wrong. 
I'm watching it now again and I, I do now have thoughts. Okay, so first thing that we see him do is we see this 60-year-old man flirt with a girl that looks 20 or something. And that already is creepy. It's like a girl is looking at him at a store mm-hmm. and he's very obviously like checking her out in a creepy manner. So that's the first thing. Then the second thing is that the first thing he he's like, oh, I need to like help you out, which is fine. But, you know, usually you would try to tell her like a normal person. I know ACAB, but the normal person would probably say, oh, should we go to the police (laughs) or should we go to get you if like, you know, a little bit more to a safe house or something like that. But no, he's like, first, I can just leave you here. Come back to my house. That's like inherently creepy to just meet someone and then invite them to your house right away unless it's like a hookup. But if like you're trying to help Especially for an older man with a younger woman. Especially, especially. So him offering her this thing as like the first option is creepy as hell. So Mm. this is how it starts. And then later it just gets worse and worse. (laughs) That reminded me of another thought that I had, which is why is he scarier than Villanelle? And it's that there are lots of creepy men around. This is an actual fear that we have. This is like, it feels more real than a Mm -hmm. hired assassin. You see hired assassins in movies generally, but creepy men, everyone's had encounters with them. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Villanelle finally gets out of this creepy house while we also watch Eve and Carolyn get in a car to go save her. And then the grandma gets out of the house as well. Which... <laughs> I was very happy for her, even though I don't think that's very safe for someone with dementia, uh-huh. but still, like, the blissful face that she had. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. It was nice, even yeah. though ultimately not great for her. But staying in the house with her very murdered son would, I guess, also not be great for her. That's a point. So Villanelle sees a car that is blinking at her. She carefully goes to see about it. She meets Raymond. He says that he's her new handler. And she says, I thought I'd been fired. And he says, circumstances have changed. Which is exactly the conversation that Eve had with Carolyn. Oh... Uh-huh. So I'm not getting any of these parallels. <laughs> yeah. I this is the first time I noticed it as well. No, but you I, noticed I the post as well. I thought it was nice and neat. Hmm. I want to say that I didn't write much about Villanelle's interaction with Raymond because I just like blanked out with hate. So if mm. either uh, of mm-hmm. you wanna tell us about that, I just wrote down that. Does she describe him as this? I wrote down a boring stranger in a Volvo, which is also a description of Edward Cullen. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, I mean, the gist of the scene is that Raymond is very condescending and just like a very... An asshole. Yeah, kind of person that makes me immediately want to punch him in the face. And um, they fight and he chokes Villanelle, but he also brought her antibiotics. 
So while all this is happening and then Raymond drives away, Villanelle sees the police came to the house already and also Carolyn and Eve. So Villanelle looks at Eve in slow-mo and we have the song If I gave you my heart and it's good. I'm nodding. And then we change perspective and we are with Eve and Carolyn who go into the house and see the murdered body. And now we see him in a bit of a different state than we saw him last because he has a toilet brush in his mouth, which is another nod to Eve. Yeah, I was thinking if like later when Eve went home, she opened Bing and put in <laughs> toilet brush, comma, Eve. <laughs> and then she just got the scene from season one, episode five. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's, Maybe that's she would. Bing images <laughs> shows you. So that's that. And then for the end of the episode, we have some plot happening, which There's is... a plot twist. Constantine is alive. <gasps> and, da, da. and he is in Carolyn's house. <gasps> da, da, da. And Kenny seems unhappy. <gasps> I love Kenny's little fancy outfit that makes him look like very posh and very teenage-y. Yeah. This is outfit of the episode. This episode, Uti, is more exciting than previous couple of episodes Mm -hmm. or more than a couple yeah even though still we don't actually have any of villanelle original outfits all of it is borrowed but still it's borrowed fun that's cute a cute way to describe stealing (laughs) (laughs) sure anyway let's not dwell on this does not matter so she wears three outfits in this episode the first one is the same one from the previous episode. So it's the pajamas with the emoji crocs. And we also see that underneath this, she is wearing pink or salmon and purple colored lace panties. And my God, I forgot to name the outfits the last time, but I think this, this episode, they deserve to be named. So I will name this first one. Gabrielle. Yeah, I think of it as Gabrielle cosplay. Perfect. Next one, I named Oh God. (laughs) So this is the outfit made out of uh, the clothes that she stole from the laundromat. She is wearing a graphic tee in yellow, but it's that washed out like pastel yellow with a, what the t-shirt says is Amour Toujours Paris and then something (laughs) underneath it that I couldn't read. (laughs) <laughs> and these details are in light blue and pink. Interesting, because she stole those clothes while she was in England, and it's still like... Ooh, and it still says yeah, yeah. Paris. Exactly. Like she's still thinking about <sighs> Paris. Sure. And sure. Step. <laughs> then over this, she is wearing a patchwork-looking knitted cardigan that is way too big for her. And... She is wearing also still the Crocs and a jeans miniskirt that 
is like has buttons on the front so you open it by you can unbutton the whole front uh which is light blue and i just want to say that i find this type of skirt very sexy like i really really like it but this one specifically looked terrible like it okay, really okay. looked bad because when you said that i was like yeah i guess but this one yeah i think this one i don't know i don't know what was wrong with it i think maybe like it was too low cut and just i i, I don't know it yeah it kind of flared out which was weird didn't like exactly fit her i thought that the problem i mean for maybe for me at least is the way the shirt didn't complement the skirt because it was just like mm-hmm. a little shorter than it and it made everything look a funny shape. I think if she just like tucked her shirt into the skirt, maybe it would have worked better. Might have, yeah. And the last outfit that I need to name right now, I'm gonna name it Grandma Pastel. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to name this one outfit, even though she, at first she's only wearing the nightgown and later she adds the rope. But she's wearing a satin nightgown in light blue, or at least I think it's light blue because it is pretty hard to tell what color it is because it's really weird looking. And it has a lot of lace and embroidery details, which... If this was done by hand, it's pretty impressive. Like, it looks hmm. like it might have been done by hand. Mm-hmm. At least, like, in theor- theory. I, I'm not saying that mm-hmm. when they made it for the show that it was done by mm-hmm. hand, but it looks as if maybe this grandma had a thing for doing uh, embroidery. Hmm. Do you think she made all the clothes for the dolls? Definitely. Oh, Definitely. God, yes. Yes. Mm. Anyway, this nightgown is like mid-length and has short sleeves and a v-neck made out of lace, which is kind of weird, but whatever. And then later she adds this baby pink robe that also has a lot of uh, embroidery details. So these are the three outfits of this episode. Which was your favorite? My favorite was the second one. I know that like, it was meant to look bad. It was meant to make Villanelle, I guess, like look like a homeless person or a sex worker in that scene. That's like I, what I felt like the vibe that the show was going for was. But also I really liked the cardigan and would wear it. And I think that Villanelle could rock this outfit, just not with that attitude. <laughs> I choose the nightgown. I just think it looked good. I really liked it. Would wear it. Yeah. I also choose the, well, actually the nightgown rope combo because I really like all the satin and I really like all the embroidery. The only thing I don't like about this outfit is how the nightgown is constructed. Like the pattern is kind of strange to me. But if I overlook this i would wear this i would i would also make it even though i would i will never but it's my dream to make like some Mm. embroidery and then put it on clothes that i wear and then have this to like sleep in or something Mm. sounds good this was this episode's uti 
No. Let's continue with the rating. Yes, yes. My rating is White is for Witching by Helen Oyeyemi because mm-hmm. it's one of the rare queer horror things that I read or watched or whatever. And I felt it was closest to this episode because there is a spooky, scary house in both this episode <laughs> and the book. And that's it. <laughs> All right. I rate this episode how to get away with murder the tv show because you are in a really bad situation and things are not looking well for you and you're trying so hard to get out of it and you finally make it and it looks like things are gonna be better and they just get worse again and that happens again and again I would rate it the L Word season two, <laughs> uh, because I love watching it, but it sure makes me uncomfortable, <laughs> and also creepy men. And I really like season two. It's a bad show, but I like season two. But <laughs> darn those creepy men! Ooh. Are we ready for a game? No. Okay, I'll wait a little. Now we're ready. <laughs> okay, let's play a game. So today's game is if you had a crush on a female assassin who also had a crush on you, what would the object be that she left in the mouth of her victims to let you know that she is thinking about you? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> <sighs> so um... You know, the dream situation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So just so you know, listener, we take long breaks to think about this. <laughs> so we don't just come up with our answer. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I do have one now. For me, it would have to be a Birkenstock sandal and a sock in it. Yep, that's you. <laughs> yeah. For me, it would be a pair of deer antlers. Yes. Uh, yeah, I just, I have a lot of deer antler paraphernalia you don't have to explain okay. yourself okay <laughs> okay it, it makes sense okay <laughs> for me it would be a photo card of selkie from red velvet which is a k-pop girl band because selkie is incredibly sexy <laughs> So my imaginary girlfriend assassin would would have bought all of the photocards of Silky and then via these murders I would be getting all of these from her. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like if an assassin left a photocard of someone from Mamamoo in someone's mouth, would you be like, this is probably not for me, <laughs> but for someone else? <laughs> I mean, it would depend on what kind of a pattern we would have going on. I think it would totally be also okay to just have, like, a different K-pop person that I like every time. Mm. Um, Nice. Yeah, 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 but you figure out that it's you because it's for you because, like, it's just the K-pop people that you like. Yes, exactly, Mm. exactly. Mm, That would be good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, we made it. To the end of this very long recording. Yeah, it's almost three hours. Oh yeah, my what? god. Thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of Queering Eve. We will record another one. We release new episodes every Tuesday at 8 p.m. CET. Have a nice week and remember to keep medicinal alcohol in your house. Mm-hmm.
Um, so Villanelle and Carolyn decide. Not? Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Eve and Carolyn decide that they have to get Eve because. No! Nope. No! Jesus! I can't! <laughs> 